Turn with me to Luke, the fourth chapter, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And um, my normal uh, you know, course of action in, in teaching is kind of start at the top of my notes and work my way through and then um, do a little bit of review on Sunday night and then pick up where I left off on Sunday morning. Um, I did a little different this morning. We, we skipped around some, and so I'm going to kind of review as we go. And so for those of you who are able to be here this morning, you'll hear some things in way of review, but, but there's some key things that um, I want to, you know, fill in, I guess, fill in some blanks that we left unsaid this morning, kind of elaborate on some things a little more. But then also um, we, we want to look more at... Um, the way the people in Nazareth responded to Jesus. And um, so for those of you who are not able, able to be with us this morning, we, we spent some time looking at how the people in Galilee responded to him. And these two, you know, major events, if you will, Jesus' earthly ministry beginning in Galilee and then the results that were experienced there and then he comes to his hometown in Nazareth. And I believe they're situated alongside one another the way they are in the book of Luke so that when we read these, we can, we can see for ourselves, make that comparison for ourselves. Let me just go ahead and say as we begin tonight that we want a response like those in Galilee. Amen. <laughs> Not like the response from those in Nazareth. Amen. And um, have you ever heard, it's not a Bible verse, but have you ever heard the expression familiarity breeds contempt? Yes, sir. And, and sometimes we can become so familiar with things or situations or blessings or benefits or people that it begins first where we start taking one another for granted. But then over time we can become so familiar with something that it actually if we don't appreciate it the way we should appreciate it, it, it actually starts to become almost like an irritant in our, in our lives. And when the people in Nazareth, because they did not give Jesus the place that he deserves, and that was directly, you know, traced back to their familiarity with him or what they believed or, or what they thought they knew about him, notice that it's, it's, it goes from bad to worse. I mean, it... We'll see this in the scriptures, but, it, you know, he went from, you know, being the hometown boy that made, made it big, you know, on the world stage, you know, to someone who, who really irritated them to the point that they literally tried to throw him off a cliff and kill him. I mean, that's, that's how bad it got, okay? Um, but anyway, let's look at this. Um, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and after when, he had, when they had ended, he was hungry. So the key thing I want you to see here in this verse is that Jesus had been baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he did not perform a single miracle until those two events took place. And so the miracles that we see Jesus doing on planet Earth, he did as a man in right standing with God, empowered with, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the next verses through verse 13 talk in detail about Jesus' temptation. It's important, but we're not here to address that tonight. 
So let's go to verse 14, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And um, I'll put verse 14 and 15 up. It says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. This was after he had been in the wilderness, tempted, fasting. He returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues. And then that phrase there, being glorified by all. Being glorified by all. None of that's coming up on the screen, is it? Wow. Now that is a new one there, sister, because I have every, all of it right here. So, Amen. Okay, there we go. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. We've been having a little technical issues with all this, so uh, thank you so much, um, Greg Christie. Got Luke on the camera back there tonight. Appreciate everybody doing the technology stuff back there. Amen. Um, so notice that last phrase in verse 15 where it says that he was glorified by all. And I think it's safe to say that that was a general consensus. Um, not necessarily every single, you know, person by person by person. Um, you know, but a huge majority of people um, glorified Jesus. Now, Matthew's gospel, and we'll look at it a little later, but Matthew's gospel elaborates a little more. It gives us some more details. And what we see is that when Jesus would go into those synagogues, he would read from Isaiah what the, the prophecy about what the Messiah had come to earth to do. Jesus would say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him to do that. And um, notice he, never, he didn't say that until the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now the Spirit of the Lord's upon him. He goes out in the power of the Spirit. And there were people being healed and demons being cast out and paralyzed people receiving you know, healing and being raised up. And just amazing things were happening in Galilee. And so Jesus comes to his hometown and he does the same thing in his hometown synagogue. And boy, there was no home court advantage there. You know, a lot of times the home team wants to play on the, on the home court, but, but it was just the opposite for Jesus. Um, he was not glorified by all there, but the general consensus there was, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not Joseph's son? Now, to be glorified by all, we've been talking about giving the Lord the place he deserves in our lives. We've been doing that since the end of last year. And um, as I said this morning and, and in other times that we've taught on this subject, you won't find a verse that specifically says it in those words. But we see words like honor, and that word honor, honoring God, honoring mother and father, honoring your elders. This is talking about, again, giving a person the place of respect and, and authority uh, in your life that, that they uh, deserve, that, that God has says they should, ha they should have and hold. So we, we see the truth of giving him place in other ways, Old Testament and New Testament. But perhaps one of the best ways to, to explain or practically and effectively define what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us about giving God the place he deserves in our lives is captured in that word glorify. Glorified by all. This means that they gave him place both, listen to this carefully now, both individually and collectively. Both individually and collectively. Now, the sum of us together is greater than our parts. And what that simply means is that we can accomplish far more working together 
than we ever could working alone and totaling up the accomplishment. If Brother Paul could do six units of work and I could do three units of work, Paul and I working together as one would be able to produce like 15 units of work, not nine units of work. In other words, six and three is nine, but if I can produce three, he can produce six. If we work together, we can accomplish much more. It's a biblical truth called synergy. So what we have to understand, though, is that we can't be anything collectively that we're not individually. We used to get tickled at my, my grandmother, my Mimi. Uh, it's my mother's mom. And um, she was here for the first many years of heritage and used to sit right in there. Um, uh, she loved everybody, but uh, she, loved, she loved Wally. I'm going to tell you something, Wally. I, you and Mimi were buds. And, uh, but Mimi used to, Mimi used to say, uh, she goes, well, just let the church handle it. Well, just let the church do that. You know, somebody, you know, pass away and, and uh, we always try to do a food, you know, food or a meal or something. And, and Mimi would say, uh, well, just let the church handle that, Brenda, you know. And finally, one day, my mom looked at her and she says, Mother, who do you think is the church? We, we, that's, in other words, you know, the, if the church is going to handle it, somebody that is the church is going to have to, you know, put some beans in a pot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, amen. So we can't be anything collectively that we're not individually. So when it says that he was glorified by all, this would include the individual. This would include the individual family. Um, this would include the individual neighborhood because we're talking about a region, the, the region of Galilee. Um, but then also collectively. Now, my heart is for more than just me and Pam and my children and, and, and my immediate family or my extended family. My, my heart is for you. I'm not interested in just me being blessed. I'm not interested in just me walking close with the Lord. I, I want us to, to do that collectively. I'm not just interested in experiencing miracles in my life of healing and provision and breakthrough and deliverance. I, I want it to be something that we all experience and grow in together. Amen. Now we always see what I call the outlier or the exception to the rule. Joshua and Caleb are perhaps the most classic examples in all the Word of God because they were a part of a generation that God said would not enter into the promised land because of their considerable, consistent, ongoing refusal to change unbelief. They were what the Bible calls unpersuadable or impersuadable. I don't know the right grammar there, but you understand what I mean. It wasn't just that they didn't know. It was that they knew and they refused to see things. Any, they, were, they were stubborn. They were, they were hard-hearted and rebellious, right? And so finally God just says, after countless numbers of times, it's kind of like what happened in the days of Noah when he said every heart Every thought in every heart is only evil continually with the exception of Noah and his family. Then we see that when that first generation that came out of slavery in Egypt, they made it all the way up to the threshold of their best life in, in their best place, promised life in their promised land. But they, in other words, they would not cooperate. They refused to cooperate with God 
um, as necessary to be able to go in and take that. And so for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness until they all died, but again, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. They were the two out of the 12 spies who had went in 40 years before that came back with a faith report. When, when all the 10 started saying, it's a beautiful place, you know, everything you've heard about it and then some, but, right? There's giants in the land, there's this and there's that. And, um, but Joshua and Caleb were like, let us go up at once. You know, they, they remained men of faith. And so they were the exceptions. Are you understand what I'm saying here? They, 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 were, they were blessed and, and they received their inheritance in the promised land when everyone else in their generation did not. Okay? So I'm thankful for exceptions. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? But that's, that's, that's not my heart and it's not Father's heart. It's not Father's heart that just a few of us are growing and a few of us are, are living in oneness with Him and experiencing the blessings and benefits of that. He wants us all to, to experience that. So again, there is, we can't be anything collectively that we're not individually, but oh my, when, when we come together with hearts on fire and, 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 a, and a hunger and a desire um, and, and it, you know, been giving God the place that He deserves in our lives throughout the week. And, 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 and then we all come together as, as, a, as a family of faith, as, a, as the body of Christ. My, what wonders He can work among us. Amen. Amen. That's why I, I, I tell you all the time, the church which is His body, being faithful to church is not just about being faithful to a building. It's about being faithful to a group of people. It's about being committed to others. It's, it's about what you bring, you know, the, the, the presence of God and, 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 you know, our like precious faith and the power that comes when we agree together and, and, the, and, the, and the corporate anointing when we worship together and the, and, and, and the encouragement and the, and the strength that we receive from one another. Amen. This is, uh, these are beautiful things precious things, eternal things in the heart and estimation of our Heavenly Father. So they gave Him place. When it says He was glorified by all, it means that they gave Him place individually and collectively. Um, it, 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 it doesn't mean that they, you know, like gave Him a, um, a key to the city or something like that. But it's talking about an opinion or an estimation of Him that was to the best of their ability, equal to what he deserved or was worthy of. Now, there's a really elaborate definition um, for this word glorified. If you promise not to go to sleep, I'll put it up on the screen and read it to you, but then we're going we're gonna to break it down, all right? The word glorified is the consequential meaning from the opinion which one forms is to recognize, honor, praise, invest with dignity, give anyone esteem or honor by putting him into an honorable position. All right? So when it says he was glorified by all, this is the you know, most thorough definition of that word that I was able to find in, in uh, 
you know, in the resources, library, whatever that I, that I have. The question that I asked this morning, and I'm deliberately asking it again, and I may, if the Holy Spirit leads me, I may ask it again next week and, and the week after that. What did it look like for them to glorify Him? Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? What, what, what does that look like when it's taking place in a person's life practically and effectively? I said it this morning, don't get nervous, but if I was to call you forward, if I was to call someone forward tonight and say, give us an example in front of everybody what it, what, what it means or what it looks like for an individual to glorify Jesus, I think most of us, and as I was meditating on this this past week, you know, I, I would include myself in this. I, you know, I would probably like start giving him praise and thanksgiving and and, and worship, and all that's really, really important. But glorifying Him includes that, but it's more than that. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see in Nazareth, um, in our culture today, we, we shorten it. We say talk is cheap. Jesus said it this way. The prophet spoke of people who would glorify me with their lips, who would love me with their lips, but their hearts would be far from me. You see? So, again, the word worship means to give Him place. That's another one of these words. To, worship takes place first and foremost when you recognize who He is and who you are in relationship to Him. Now, any expression that comes out of you in response to that is, is important and necessary. But just to stand up and sing songs off, a, off the wall or a screen in front of you or clap your hands or, or do the outward trappings of worship without the inward attitude of worship is not worship. It's called lip service. It's called lip service. When Jesus makes it into Nazareth and he, and he goes into their synagogue and he reads from the prophet Isaiah, just like he did, his custom was in all those other synagogues, you know, the, the, the Bible talks about the pleasantries, you know, it basically says, you know, the gracious words that are coming out of his mouth, right? But their hearts were far from him. And as Jesus begins to try to help them understand where they're missing it and therefore missing out, the real attitude they have towards him surfaces. So, to glorify. Um, if we take these words from that definition and just kind of expand them, we've come up with a list of five things, and, and I think this list of five is a really good place for all of us to start you know, when it comes to giving the Lord the place that He deserves in our lives, and you say, well, remember now, early on we said that this is something we grow in. In other words, it, it, in other words I hope I'm doing a better job of it today than I was six weeks ago. And same with you. But number one, excuse me, number one, they recognized and received Him as the anointed one sent from heaven. Number two, 
they treated him with great respect. If you remember, one of the words in that definition was the word, you know, honor, to give honor. And to honor simply means to treat with great respect. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, and I'm not going to get on some soapbox tonight about this, but I'm, I'm a little bit concerned, and, we, and we've been teaching on these things in, in the Ephesians class. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that, that we're getting further and further away from, in our society today, uh, from a, away from a culture of honor. A culture of honor is, is, is the culture of heaven. You, you, you can't have God's kingdom alive and active among you without honor, without understanding honor, without giving honor to whom honor is due. And um, amen, I'm so thankful for the young people that we have here at this church and, and, and for the respect and the respectfulness that, that they show and, and the way they pray and, and, and things of this nature. So I'm not going to go on some harangue about the youth culture and all this other stuff because because look, we, I mean, we, we see it in adults as much as we see it in, in kids and teenagers, right? Um, if, if you have a problem with, with kids and teenagers not having, you know, the, the right understanding of respect and honor, don't get all upset with them without praying for their parents, without praying for those that, that um, are responsible for teaching them that honor. Amen? Amen or oh me? All right, I tell you what, move on. I'll move on, all right? Number three... They expressed warm approval, admiration, and gratitude for him. Warm approval, admiration, and gratitude for him. This, this is praise. Number four, they deemed him worthy of their money, effort, and time. That phrase in the definition, invest with dignity, that's what this means. We could say it this way, they put their money where their mouth is. They put their effort where their mouth is. They put their time where their mouth is. It's one thing to say, Jesus, I give you the place in my life that you deserve. Thank God for that. But, you know, what, is, what story is our money, effort, and time telling? Amen. We've already received an offering. It's not about trying to get money from you. I'm trying to show you. There's a song that Chris Tomlin is on his Holy Roar album. I've mentioned it a time or two. It's called, Is He Worthy? And it's a beautiful song. I, man, I, I just listen to it a lot, especially in the morning times. I, I love to listen to it. But the reality of it is this. Um, Jesus is worthy of more of my money, more of my effort, and more of my time. And um, I said my, amen. That's because that's something for each of you to sort through in your own heart and mind. But he's worthy of... Every penny that I have, he's worthy. <laughs> In other words, he's, every penny I have came from him. You understand what I'm saying? He's worthy of not just my effort, but my best effort. And, and he's worthy of my time. Man, this is something that's really been helping me grow here of late. And that is, you know, I catch myself in the middle of doing something. I ask myself, is there something better I could be doing with my time right now? You know, right now, um, I don't know who said it, but they talk about the tyranny of the, of the urgent, right? And if we're not careful, everything becomes urgent. Everything becomes what we've got to do right now and, and all that. And it's just not, it's, it's just really not true. If you'll step back and say, man, you know, um, is there something that I could do with my time right now that would be um, 
more beneficial to my father and, and to those that um, he's put me on this earth to serve. And then uh, number five, um, they properly valued him, and that's esteem. They properly valued him. Now, there is a, a phrase in that definition that I want to speak to, and so it began with this uh, uh, phrase here, the consequential meaning from the opinion which one forms, okay? The consequential meaning, you're doing that for me, aren't you, sister? Okay, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, go to that next one there. Um, thank you, slide 23. The consequential meaning from the opinion which one forms. Now, I'm not, I'm not asking you to memorize this, but I want to draw your attention to that word opinion. That word opinion. Because opinion is at the heart of Jesus being glorified in Galilee. I know that almost doesn't sound like opinion ought to have anything to do with it, but the list of five were all consequential expressions of the people's true opinion of Jesus. In other words, as a consequence of the opinion they had of Him, they recognized and received Him as the Anointed One. They treated Him with great respect and they expressed warm approval. All of those things. All of that was, was not based upon... Um, you remember when you were, you were little and, and your, your mother would tell you... I never forget, we went um, to uh, our, our Friday night routine. We always went somewhere on Friday night. We would go... Uh, my uncle had a restaurant called Burger in a Hurry. Okay? And it was over by Legion Field, by Birmingham Southern College. And we'd go up there and we'd, we'd usually get a burger, see my uncle. And then we'd go to Kmart in Midfield. Then we'd stop back by my grandparents' house uh, in Brighton. And then we'd go home, right? But there was this one Friday night that we went to this new mall in town. It's called Brookwood Village, right? I'll never forget, man, we were getting out of the car. and Mom was helping us get our shirts tucked in, you know. And because um, we weren't in, we weren't at the Midfield Kmart anymore, right? We we were we were like in this really nice place, you know. And so they were, you know, basically telling us, "Look, now you, this is you need to stay with us. This is a big place, you know." In other words, they were giving us instructions on how to respond, on on how to behave. Okay. So it wasn't like somebody called everybody together and said, "Look, Jesus is coming to town, and this is how you need to treat him." Okay. And and if you have a criticism, just bite your tongue. And, and you need to smile, and you need to put your best foot forward, and you need to give him some warm approval, and, you know, because he's, he's important, and he can, he can really help us. You know, almost like you're trying to you know, get you know, Amazon or some big business to come to your community. Now, see, that's not what's going on here. All of these things that we see as a response, right, they, they sprung from an opinion in the heart. They, 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 they came from this, this opinion that they had. I don't know if we're going to get there quite yet, so let me throw these back on the table again, okay? 
Three things I want you to keep in mind. Reception, how Jesus was received. Response, how the people responded to Him and what He said. To Him as a person and what He said as, that, as the person He claimed to be. And then three, the results. The results. Because we see a different reception, a different response, and entirely different results in Galilee than we do in Nazareth. All right? So, so keep that in mind. So the opinion that they had inwardly is what motivated, we could even say is what drove these five things outwardly. Now, our true opinion of Jesus and the place we give Him in our lives is reflected in our response to Him. Now, I'm not saying, and so please don't misunderstand me, I am not saying that our response to Him should not be verbal. In other words, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, shouldn't say things. Okay? That's uh, slide 25, Christy. Um, our, our true opinion of Jesus and the place we give Him in our lives is reflected in our response to Him. So, I'm not saying that our response to Him should not include words, but it's going to have to include more than words or it's all just lip service. Are you, are you, when, we, when we talk about giving Him the place that He deserves in our lives, we're not just talking about something that we say, but something that we do. I don't know about you, but there have been plenty of times in my life when I thought my priorities were one thing when in actuality they were something entirely different. It's very easy for us to be deceived in that area. And so many times our actions and priorities can tell a different story from what we think they are and from what we're saying. Now, attitude and opinion are not identically the same, but they are powerfully related. And because attitude determines response, our response is the greatest indicator of our true attitude. Now we need, we need to pay attention right here, okay? Because attitude determines response. Think about that now. Your attitude towards a thing, your attitude towards a person, your attitude towards a situation, your attitude towards an employer, your attitude towards a product, your attitude towards anything and everything, the reason your attitude is so important is because the attitude you have towards that thing, towards that person, is going to determine how you respond to that thing or to that person. So let's, let's kind of back up just a little bit, all right, because what we see is that opinion and attitude are not the same thing, but, but attitude is, is formed, in other words, the opinions that we have go a long way towards shaping our attitude. 
So, you, in other words, you could almost interchange those words in the right setting for one another. Because not only does your attitude determine how you respond, your true opinion of something determines how you respond. So, it's very easy for us to think that our opinion or our attitude is one thing, but because our attitude determines our response, if we will play, pay close attention to our response, we'll get a true picture of our attitude. So our response is the greatest indicator of our attitude. Amen? All right, let's, um, let's do this and we'll finish right here. You get anything out of this tonight? Okay. Let's talk about truth, fact, and opinion. Okay? So, truth, fact, opinion. We could say that these are three levels of information. With the highest level of information being truth. Amen. Something can be fact but not be truth. And the distinguishing difference between something that is fact versus something that is truth is that facts are subject to change but the truth never changes. It's a fact that it rained a lot last week but the truth is I mean, but the, that fact changed, right? Today, not the truth, the fact today is that it's not raining, it's sunny. So we can say it's a fact that, you know, this weather today was really nice, almost spring-like, you know, around lunchtime. But that's subject to change. It, it could be, you know, something entirely different tomorrow. You see what I'm saying? So if it's a fact, it's subject to change, but the truth is not subject to change. The truth never changes because the truth comes from God and, and God never changes. And the good news is that truth is more powerful than fact and that truth can change fact, but fact cannot change truth. Maybe a fact tonight that you're not feeling well, but the truth is by stripes you were healed. See. Bill Winston says that truth is the highest form of reality. So there's a reality that can be shaped, your life reality can, can be shaped by truth, it can be shaped by fact, or it can be shaped by opinion. But it's almost like in this list of three that opinion doesn't even belong in this category because it, it is, it's the one that seems to be the, you know, the most subjective, you know. I mean, people can have Opinions, matter of fact, by definition, opinion is a view, judgment, or belief formed about something, but not necessarily based upon fact or truth. <laughs> right? You ever had an opinion that didn't agree with truth or fact? Come on now, are you with me? So it's almost like, well, the, you know, opinion doesn't even belong on this list. I've even heard some people say, my opinion doesn't matter. 
But oh, how it does, my friend. Jesus asked him in Matthew 16 and 15, but who do you say that I am? First time he asked him was, who do men say that I am? What's the word on the street? What are other people saying? What do other people think? What are other people's opinions of me? But then, again, right alongside that, he asked him another very direct question. Who do you say that I am? What is your opinion of me? So the idea here is that although truth in an eternal sense is certainly more powerful than opinion because opinion is personal in nature, your opinion can separate you from the power of truth. The people in Nazareth had the wrong opinion of Jesus. Did Jesus just say, well, that's your opinion. I'm going to go ahead and heal everybody here anyway. No. Not because he didn't want to, but the Bible says in Mark, the sixth chapter, because he couldn't. He could not do any mighty work there because of their opinions of him. Hallelujah. Amen. That might be a good place for us to end. I, there's, I got notes to keep up with notes. Amen. I, I spent most of the afternoon trying to organize notes that hadn't preached yet. Amen. I'm just, I'm, there's, a lot of, there's a lot here. And, you know, we've said it before. You, you, we'll never exhaust anything that, that has to do with God or His truth. It's, it's eternal. It's endless. And so at some point we just move on to something else and the Lord will you know, bring it back up at a, at a different time in the future. I'm not saying that's where we are with this particular study, but um, there's just a lot to this. Can, can you, can, amen, just stand with me. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody asked me one time, they said, Pastor Mark, can you teach me how to preach? <laughs> I'm like... I'll help you any way I can, but I'm not sure I know how as far as like formally trained and all that stuff, you know. Um, but if you want to know how I do it, it's, it, it's the things that the Lord is speaking to me. It's, it's things that He's showing me. It's, it's, it's um, you know, we've been talking about probability and possibility on Wednesday night. Dude, you see, you don't understand. That's, that's the Lord first and foremost correcting me, teaching me. Amen. And so when Peter and John, you know, they ministered to that guy who was crippled there by the temple gate, and they said, look, man, we, you know, we don't have any money on us right now, but I'm going to give you what I got. Will give you what I what I do have, and um, and that's that's just what I try to do. I try to come and give you what the Lord has given me, and um, and man, when it comes to this subject, he's just it's just he's given me a lot. Amen. I amen, and I'm thankful for it, and it's helping me, and I hope that it's helping you. So, amen. Father, as we uh, 
bring this time together to, to a close. We thank you for what you're showing us and the things that you're helping us lay hold of. And Father, again, um, we feel you pulling us into a closer walk with you. We, we feel you, Father, um, just pleading with us by your Holy Spirit to give you that place in our lives that you deserve. Our time, our effort, even our money, Father. I mean, it's, I don't talk a lot about that around here, but that's an important part that we give you the place you deserve in our finances. And so, Father, I thank you that um, it's not just something we're learning about, Father, but it's, it's something that we're growing in something that you're helping us see clearly and practice diligently. Father, we want our reception of you to be like the one Jesus received in Galilee. Recognize you for who you are. Honor you, give you the, treat you with the greatest respect, deem you worthy. Lord, help us to Help us to be aware of the, of the genuine, the true attitude that we have, the true opinion that we have, and how powerful our opinions can be when it comes to our life reality. Father, we do not want to live a life based upon, and a, a re, or a reality rather based upon opinion. We don't even want a reality based upon fact, Father. We want our reality to be based upon your truth. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you so much again for being here tonight. We love you. We're thankful for you. Father has divine appointments for us this week. You pay close attention to him leading you. And we'll see you, some of you in the morning, some of you Tuesday morning, some of you Wednesday, all that stuff. Amen. Good things.